you're listening to Living in a Material World, and I'm your host, David Prada. Today's guest is Soonhee Grinnell. She's former beauty director of Vanity Fair, beauty icon, and also an amazing consultant, mother and wife and daughter, and she's an amazing guest. I want to thank you so much for joining me. This is my first podcast episode of Living in a Material World. And you're my first guest, which is my dream guest to have on here. You are an icon in the industry. You are a beauty expert. You are a former beauty director of Vanity Fair. You are an inspiration to many, and you are beyond fabulous. So I'm so happy to have you on. You're very kind. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm so honored that I'm your very first guest. You know, the last time we saw each other in New York, I want to go back to the first time I ever saw you in the industry. I was working with Linda Rodin. We were launching a new oil in the collection, and I remember we were doing our editor kind of desk sides in the meatpacking district. And I remember you coming out of your SUV, and your legs came out of the car first, and then your hair followed. And I was like, <laughs> who is this goddess? And I was like, and they're like, this is soon he Grinnell. I was like, oh! I was like gasping. From that moment, I was like, I cannot wait to be friends with this human, this superhuman. You're so kind. Well, thank you very much. I'll say a little bit about myself. My name is Sunhi Grinnell. And as David mentioned, I have been in the beauty industry for a while. I technically kind of grew up at Vanity Fair magazine because prior to beauty, I was the senior photography editor producing mainly covers and portfolios and whatnot. And the beauty category was thrust upon me. I didn't have a choice to take over because as then editor-in-chief Graydon Carter said to me, well, you know, you always look good, so you must know something about beauty. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it started. I had the oddest title, senior photography and beauty editor, kind of random, but I did have two jobs for a very long time. And I'm proud to say it's a category that didn't exist, that I helped to build from nothing. And I went about it in the most authentic, organic, Vanity Fair way. And it turned out to be a huge success. It was always the number one or number two advertising category for the book at the time. So it was amazing. But what was more amazing on a personal level was meeting all these incredible beauty makers, the founders of brands that really makes this industry turn. And it's very exciting. I mean, still to this day, there's so many brands launching. It's hard to keep up. It's amazing. It's an amazing industry to be in. And you've actually helped so many young brands get some visual discovery because you launched so many on your editorial pieces on Vanity Fair. So I remember like Linda told me you were one of the first to write about her oil. So many other people told me you were the first to always talk about their products. So you've helped so many brands get to stardom. Thank you. Yes, before launching the beauty column on VanityFair.com, I had to work with basically one page in the book. So I had to be so extremely particular and highly discriminating in terms of who made that page. So I think that alone just went so far in terms of, oh my God, it's in Vanity Fair, it must be good. <laughs> because I got the same amount of products as Sarah Brand at Vogue. 
and she had 10 pages. Yeah. (laughs) How did you make that cut? How did you have the cut for Vanity Fair in that one page? Well, it had to, first of all, look good because we're in the aesthetic business. Has to look good. Bottom line, had to work, period. I had a number of happy volunteers to test that product and would give me feedback. I would personally test thousands of products nonstop. Sometimes I would have to take a break because I would be testing so much that my skin would go into a shock and I start to break out. Yeah. Um, so it's really about feeling, touching, smelling, and if it's the right element at the right time, and if it makes sense for the book that particular month, if that page was themed let's say. So I try to really switch things around a lot. And it's been fun. And I launched the beauty column for them on vanityfair.com, which really opened the door a lot more to just a lot more brands where we could cover. But I got so busy. It was insane. (laughs) It was just a lot of grounds to cover. Well, you were superstar because you made it all happen and you even made it to all the Oscar Vanity Fair parties. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure someday I'll be able to come into that dressing room of yours and see some of the gowns you wore. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then those were my wannabe movie star moments. And it, was, it was so fun. <laughs> so now that we've been talking about how you chose all that, I'd love to know what is your beauty routine? What do you use to have this skin glow and look so fabulous? Oh my God, I do everything. Seriously, I'm like 80, but I look good. <laughs> it literally takes me an hour to get to bed. <laughs> I'm not telling you, it's exhausting to be me, as my husband would say. (laughs) I literally, I triple cleanse, I tone, I do the essence, I do layers of serums, and I do creams, and every night is slightly different because two nights a week, I do the glycolic peels, and it's literally like, I go through so many steps, and everyone's like, could you post this? And it's like... You don't really want to know because you're not going to do half the stuff that I do. (laughs) And on top of that, I have to deal with her clinician, our hair extract on top every night. So that has another 10 minutes. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And that's actually why I wanted to bring you on this episode because you were the one that introduced me to this brand, to Lars. And it was during pandemic. It was before pandemic. We had had breakfast. Probably a few months before we had had breakfast to catch up and you had brought up your own hair issues that you had gone through with health issues. Um, And then I think I had come up with, I told you that I had two hair transplants, that I had suffered hair loss early on. Yes, which I had no idea. I know. And look at this. And now with Harlequin, it's like my little bald spot in the back is covered. I can't turn right now for you to see it. But like, I was like, I'm having like this European haircut now because I can grow it out. I feel so distinguished. (laughs) Your hair looks so thick and rich and, you know, heart clinic and seriously. I mean, I did a a very heartfelt, honest Instagram video for my followers because it's becoming such an issue. And my heart started to break because I have a couple of friends where their teenage daughters are starting to thin out really early. And I thought, okay, be bold and share your personal story. I'm as fabulous as I am on Instagram. I'm fairly private (laughs) about stuff in general. 
but it was something that I felt that I could help other people, not just to show vulnerability, but I have a solution and that it could possibly help others. And that really ignited me to go there because Heart Clinican was in People Magazine along with Ricky Lake, who went through her journey of hair loss and then gaining it all back with Heart Clinican. So I thought, okay, if she could share her story, I could share mine. And I've gotten so many DMs messaging just you know, these poor women like freaking out about their hair loss and hair loss is real. And I had met Lars Scoop, the founder of Heart Clinican. Now for the listeners, Heart Clinican is hair clinic in Danish. And Lars is the founder who's, he's a chemist. He's more than just a chemist and a scientist. He's really a I mean, he's a total genius in my book because anyone, you know, I'm happy to talk about our emotional tie to our hair. The fact that he could develop something that's not gross, non-toxic, and that it works. The hair industry, hair product industry, it's like a bazillion dollar hair alone. Forget skincare. Billions of dollars. Yeah. Billions of dollars. And we put a lot of stock in our hair and I think, you know, over the years, somehow there was a generation shift where dirty hair was in, but you didn't want the smell. Therefore, dry shampoos came to life, which is possibly the worst thing you could put on your scalp, (laughs) in my opinion, because you're kind of putting glue on your scalp where your scalp can't breathe. Maybe the overuse of that has kind of accelerated the thinning of younger generation because according to general statistics, apparently approximately 30 million women in the United States alone are thinning noticeably. But according to Lars, I asked Lars for his his opinion. And according to him, he thinks it's more 50 million are experiencing progress thinning, especially the older you are, like in women 40 and up. And he's saying he's seen women in their 20s and 40s do have moderate to severe thinning. I just think that it's like, what is happening? And I could share with you firsthand experience when I worked with Lars, because I worked with him for about a year, the clients coming in, the age range was from 16 to 80. Were they primarily women coming in to see him? Primarily women. And he really created Heart Clinic with women in mind, because I think when men lose hair, it's a little more forgiving. It is. Society allows that to be the case. To be the case. And Rogaine was really related. Everyone felt like it was made for men, not for women, even though they have Rogaine for women now and had it for a while. But he really created this with women in mind. And But of course, men are welcome and look fabulous too. <laughs> <laughs> You know, for family cases like us, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because society has forced women to suffer in silence with hair loss. And, you know, women's hair loss makes up 40% of hair loss in the world. So it's like, you know, 60% of it's men and the other and 40% is women. But it's not spoken about. 
And my son has a half sister who has lupus and she has gone through alopecia and she's lost half of her hair and her brows. And I just saw her and she looks gorgeous. But, you know, for someone that is suffering from that, losing half of their hair in their early 20s and their brows, she doesn't want to leave the house. And she wants to be silent about it. She didn't even talk to me about it. And she's stunning. I bet the value we put on our hair and our society, it's just so significant. And, you know, it's shown throughout history how hair is associated with youthfulness and beauty for women and then virility and masculinity in men. So it's not a surprise that hair loss can make men and women feel extremely self-conscious. I'm sure it's been cited by many psychologists where we're likely really hardwired to feel emotionally connected to her hair. Even if you shave it off or you cut it short, it's always a statement you're making with a hair style, right? So thicker the hair, the better, the richer the hair, better, because that always means better health, sensuality, youth, and that identity hasn't stopped in any shape or form. It's gotten even more weighty. And the stigmatism, the reason why I think women don't talk about it is because it's associated to shame of some sort. Even though it's not their fault, it's emotionally connected to shame, which leads to emotional and then other psychological problems, which may trigger even further hair loss because now there's like added stress to the entire picture. And it's just... The stress. Yeah, it's like one leads to another. Yeah, one leads to the other, and then it just, it's a downward spiral after that. Just like all the things you're thinking about, and your insecurities come out, and I love that more women and men are talking about it. My mother always gets horrified when I bring it up, that I've had hair transplants, that I'm using Harklinikin, and she's like, no one would know. I go, but my job in the beauty space is to help people. Like, I love helping people. I help brands. I help. I want people to know that there's some options they can do to make some changes for themselves. And that's the thing. I mean, I think the more we talk about it, the better, because there's a solution out there for the majority of the people. For instance, for Heart Clinic, and not everyone qualifies because if they have autoimmune disease and other issues that is triggering the hair loss, that's completely medical then that's something else. But, you know, that can be fixed too. I got hair loss just because I got thyroid cancer. I didn't think I was going to lose hair. And then all of a sudden, it was like, was Sasquatch here? And I didn't know. I mean, he left a lot of hair. <laughs> it was just, I was the, the bald cousin it. No. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't that bad. I'm exaggerating. But it was significantly less and it scared the crap out of me because I didn't know what to do. And so I did the opposite of what I should have done, which is to not stress out my hair, but I added texturizing sprays and dry shampoos and just piled everything in there just to make it look like I had more hair, which is the opposite of what I should have done. 
but I was quietly freaking out and I just got really lucky because I got an email from her clinic and PR person at the time and said, hi, emailing me about a side to meet with this scientist, chemist, founder of her clinic from Denmark. That's non-toxic. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I'd love to meet him. And we did. And the, at the first side after he went through the whole thing and showed me all the clinical trials and with photos, and I could tell these photos were not retouched because I've seen thousands of <laughs> before and after images. <laughs> I know who's retouched and who's not. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought this is like way too good to be true. But I'm like, I got to try it. And I told him my story, which has been a big secret. And it was only my husband knew about it. And of course, my hairstylist knew about it, but no one else did. And I felt comfortable enough to share my story and my surgery and whatnot. And he was so generous and kind and we could help you. But what was amazing about him is it's like, okay, when was your surgery? Okay, we're going to wait a few more months because if your hair comes back on its own, I don't want to take credit. So I was like, oh my God, I have to wait. (laughs) 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 You're killing me. But I did. I had to wait and I waited another three, four months. And slowly but maturely, in about month three, four, I really started to see little sprouts. And I was like, oh my God, it's working. And it's been working ever since. And it's gotten better and better. I started massaging. I could feel the little hairs. Right? You see it. Yep, you see it. I felt it right away. I can still feel it right now where it's coming in right now with more of it. So it's always so exciting to feel that. It's always so exciting. And it's like, I, and I'm always like looking in the micro mirror, which I shouldn't be looking at micro mirrors, but <laughs> magnified mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, because I can't, I can't do my brows with, with my glasses on. So I'm like, how am I going <laughs> to, I'm like that guy with my glasses, like, oh my God, I think I can do this still. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I have my, I have my micro mirrors. I got my travel size. I have the ones in the bathroom. (laughs) Don't leave home without it. No, I have my travel set. (laughs) Exactly. What's amazing is that Lars is always continuing to improve all the formulas. He's not so in it to like launch a new product. That's not about him. He's all about making what he has even better if he can. And he's still all by himself. He doesn't have investors to answer to. That's why he could really perfect something and then put it out there. And even if he thinks it's perfect and think it could be better, he starts reformulating. And I mean, who does that once the product is out? Someone with integrity, which is why I love talking to him and getting to know him better, because he really is doing it for the right reasons. He wants to help people and he loves seeing people regain their confidence. He loves it. And I've gotten to see him a few times after I started. And every time I see him, he's like, wow, it's working so well for you. So I've regained almost 30 percent of more hair back. Amazing. In about a year. It's less than a year. I'm on my bottle 14 starting tonight. But <laughs> You're still a virgin. But, but I should be on bottle 12 or 13, but I think I overuse a little bit because I'm that guy that like overuses everything. <laughs> <laughs> 
If someone gives me a bath oil, I use a whole I use a whole bottle. Why not? You know, I'm not gonna use it for four baths. I'll use a whole one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like over the top. Like a body lotion lasts me everyone's like, that'll last you three months. It lasts me a month. You know, because I'm like really slavering it on there where my row while it set, settles in while I'm having my coffee. <laughs> I got to keep my old skin soft. It's all about maintenance, honey. Yeah. I always like la- laugh because my son, he just turned 27. He's coming into L.A. today. So I'm so excited to see him with his wife. So I have a daughter-in-law now, too. So it's like I've never felt so old in my life because I was like, I have a daughter-in-law. But he actually always says to me, Dad, he goes, you look so much younger now than like 10 years ago. And I think it's because of my hairline coming back and getting more hair. He actually goes, you look so much better. And I people always see me, they go, what have you done? I go, I haven't had a neck lift or a lower face lift yet, but that's in my like trajectory later on in life. When I need it, I'll do it. We'll go together. <laughs> Oh, we'll do that. We'll get we'll get a, a twofer. <laughs> no, I have a friend that did her lower neck and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, it was gorgeous. There was no scarring or anything because they go right behind here and it's just like, that's it. I'm going to do that and my eyelids. That's my thing. So going with you. It's the hairline. and It's all about the hairline. You know, the moment I met you, I always thought your hair and your skin, like your hair was such a signature statement of who you are. Like I just like saw you come out of the car for an editor event and I was just like, oh, your hair and then just like everything. But just I saw that hair and how it moved and I was like, oh. It was stunning. And so when you shared this with me, I was like devastated when you shared your story. I was like, I would have never, I would have never known that you had gone through all this. I hit it really well because again, I think I was like, this isn't supposed to be happening to me. I'm in the beauty industry for God's sakes. So it was like a big secret of mine. You know, I was afraid to talk about it because I think it was like, I felt strangely ashamed, even though it wasn't my fault. And, you know, hair, it's such a huge part of our identity. Hair loss, it's such a defining factor in one's life. So the biggest message that we could share with your listeners is that there's help out there, that they're not alone. There are possibilities, there are possible solutions that may be right for them. That won't kill them. There are all these other stuff that one could do. I don't oppose if they feel like they want to put on a LED, you know, hair max uh, helmet every night. <laughs> That's fine. If they want to go through the PRP injections, which I think is insanely tedious because unless you can't randomly inject you have to find that doctor who will inject into every single follicle otherwise it doesn't work and it's thousands of dollars but the gain in comparison to a topical solution in my opinion is far less than what they could offer. So again, there are solutions, there are options, there are, you're not alone. I think that's the main component in terms of having compassion for people who are struggling with hair loss. There are so many women 
men, yes, but so many more women are having an emotional, psychological hard time with it. So before it triggers other issues, I'd say take charge and go for it and find that solution. Try it. If it doesn't work, we'll figure it out. I think that is the biggest message to put out there. I agree. I agree. You know, I grew up with like that myth that if your mom's father was bald, you would lose your hair and they would always tell us those myths. And I remember seeing my mom has so much hair. She's like in her seventies and she, the, the reason why she still looks so young in pictures and everything is because of that hair. Yeah, she does. And it's all that hair. And it takes, I remember I had to blow her hair and I was like, she is so blessed to have that head of hair. She goes, everything I have is my hair. She says to me. And then I thought, started thinking, you know, my father was bald. My grandfather, both of them were bald. And then I looked at my father and out of his four brothers, two had this amazing coiffed Italian hairline. And then two of them were completely bald. So I was like, this doesn't make any sense. How do you get you know, these genes and these chromosomes? Men both have like the X and the Y. And then I think the women have XX. And so I think you get those chromosomes from different parents. But I knew I never wanted to be bald. Never. When I was 13, I did a hair campaign for Matrix for Vavoom hairspray. So I had so much hair at 13. I was in all the salons where I grew up. Like they would have pictures of me with my hair in a hairspray bottle. So I was like, I can't lose my hair. And I started losing it in my mid 20s. And it was devastating. And I was working in the beauty industry. And, I, and then all of a sudden, I just would keep this little short faux hawk in my 30s. And before I became a distributor and a brand manager, I worked on the floor. I did makeup. I would get guys ready for fashion week. So I'd use Topic for shoots. And so I knew all the tricks. So I'd have this little powder thing called Topic to cover all my bald spots and it would cover my hair follicles and make it thicker. So no one knew that I was losing my hair because I knew all the little tricks, ins and outs. But like one day I went to a party up in the Hollywood Hills when I moved here and I leaned back and everyone in LA at the time had like Belgian white linen couches. And I put my head back and when I got up, I saw that I left like a halo. Oh no! <laughs> and someone was, uh-huh. And I was horrified. I looked at my boyfriend at the time. I was like, we have got to get out of this party. I cannot be caught for this. I was horrified. And then from that moment, I was like, I can't be using this stuff. If I get caught in a rainstorm in New York City, it's just going to like go down my face. I was like, this is like terrifying. And so I went to all these doctors and I finally found after 10 years of research, found someone to do my hair transplant. And they did do, after the hair transplant, they did the PRP inside of each hair follicle as they transplanted it. They did the PRP in it, and that's why it worked so well. Because as they put it in, so everyone goes, it's so natural. They did it in combination, which was, I was blessed because I went to this place called Alvi Armani in Beverly Hills, and the doctor there is genius. But then the front half transplant worked. But when I did the back one, it really didn't work as well as the front. And so I was kind of bummed because I spent all this money. And so the back crown area is really hard for men to even, you can't transplant, it's very hard. And even though I spent the money, it didn't work like my hairline did. And then when I spoke to Lars, I was scared he wasn't going to help me because I had had hair transplants. And then he goes, no, David, I would love to work with you. And I think you're the perfect candidate because all your transplanted hair won't fall out, but all the hair around it will continue to fall out. So let's get the rest of your hair around all the transplanted hair really healthy. Literally eight months after I started using it, 
Dennis was like, you don't even have to worry about the back. It's covered. Because I can't see the back of my head. So I'm like, as my boyfriend and you're a hair celebrity hair colorist, you can't let me like leave the house with this like bald spot in the back, you know? And make sure you cover it with the other hair I have. <laughs> so, so I literally, it's it helped me so much. Like, and Dennis is using it as well. Wait, he has so much hair. Does he have like massive thick hair? Massive thick hair, but now it's even more thicker. It's like so not fair. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so not fair. So not fair. <laughs> because we're in the beauty space, I think we're both like, I started distributing hair products and I was like, how can I be selling hair products when I have no hair? So I had a moment where I was like falling apart. <laughs> I was like, I need to figure this out. And thank you for introducing me to him because I've actually like sent over so many friends that don't want to do the hair transplant route and they've seen so many results. And I have even sent some of my female directors of other companies and I've noticed a difference in their hair right away. It's very important to share one's voyage and life experience because you know, at the end of the day, we're here to help each other. And I really feel like vulnerability is something that's really humane. And after the last year and a half we've all had, all I want to do is help people more to feel better. Yeah. And the thing about is when I started to work with Lars, I said, okay, two people know about my hair loss and it's my husband and my hairstylist. So the way that I could help you is let's talk to all the hairstylists that I know because... They know everyone's secrets and your hair loss secret, 100%. <laughs> and so, because it had to be word of mouth and seeing is believing. And I think it's really all about that. And one more thing for your listeners, went to the caution here is that get vaccinated because I've heard so many stories and have seen women who caught COVID, COVID hair loss is real. I'm not kidding. No matter what age, there was a young girl at my dermatologist's office. She's 28, super healthy, but she caught COVID. She didn't have to go to the hospital or anything like that. This was before the vaccine was available. She had so much hair. Now she has half. She said she lost so much hair after catching COVID. So more reasons to get vaccinated. Agreed. It's important. People don't believe that this is a problem, but it does. I I know two girls that got COVID and their hair got thinner on the back. One that actually worked for me. So like I was just like, oh my God, it's real. And you're right. You did it the best way because you introduced Lars to the best because I remember having lunch with a friend of mine that used to be one of the owners of Andy Lacombe, Leanne. And she was very open and outspoken about it. She showed me all the before and after pictures and she was like, do it, David, do it, David. And now her old manager is now working with Lars Marcos, which I'm so happy. After all these introductions, like while they were waiting to finish their California Beverly Hills location, they've been doing their meetings at Dennis's Salon Mare. If it wasn't for you making all these introductions, like all this wouldn't be happening. Yeah, because I had emailed Mara and she just was having a baby. And she's like, oh, my God, no, I'm going to hear about this. And then it all just all worked out. So it all came together. Yeah. And the hairstylists are our saviors in many ways, not just for our aesthetic and how we look and how we present ourselves and help with our identity. Because hair equates to self-confidence, at least for me. And without my hair, I think I would really be that insecure bitch. Um <laughs> <laughs> I still 
still don't, I don't, I still don't think that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the hair to me is, it just means so much. And it's such a huge part of my personal identity. That's how you noticed me. You saw it. Yeah, I did. I saw that hair come out of the car, like you turned it. And I was like, oh, I was like, someone should hire her for like a L'Oreal hair campaign or something. Cause I was obsessed. <laughs> it's like a Vidal Sassoon moment. <laughs> totally. I was like loving it. I was just like, oh, dead. And I had Shalita, who's my director with me. I was like, we were both like dead as you came out of the car. Soonhee, this is when we're going to jump right into my rapid fire questions. This is what we call living in a Soonhee world. If you only had one snack for the rest of your life, what would that be? It's a snack, not like a meal, right? (laughs) Yeah, like what? Watermelon. Ooh, delicious. Lipstick or mascara? Definitely lipstick. Because I have false eyelashes, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Dogs or cats? Definitely dogs. Hypoallergenic. Hypoallergenic <laughs> preferred. <laughs> I'm a poodle and a doodle, so. <laughs> Tiny living, could you do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't do it. I did it in my 20s in New York in my studio. I'll do Airstream, cross country for one week. That's it. From a scale of one to 10, how good are you at keeping a secret? You know, a nine. Good. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm very loyal. I love that. What sign are you? Aquarius. <gasps> I love Aquariuses. I'm a Leo, so you're my polar opposite. So I love Aquarians so much. Oh, my God. My son's a Leo. Wait, what's your moon? My moon is Scorpio. Ah, mine's Sagittarius. And your rising? My rising is Gemini. Ooh, that's why you're so clever. <laughs> and then I'm near the dragon. So... Ooh, don't mess with you. (laughs) (laughs) Another quick rapid fire question, dawn or dusk? That's a hard one because I want to be a dawn person, but I'm really a dusk person. I had a feeling. And I think I know the next one too. Neutrals or colors? Oh God, yeah. I want colors, but I'm neutral. Bath or shower? It's 50-50. It's depending on my mood. You're asking me to choose my child. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) i'm the same way i'm like i do half and half it depends linda rodan is only a bath girl but i'm like half and half it depends on the mood i'm in so your favorite vacation spot all over the world there are many but i have a soft spot for uh positano in the amalfi coast oh love it we're going i booked it are you going when uh last week of july Oh, my God. I'm going to actually be in Puglia the last week in July. Lovely. We'll send a text. We'll do a FaceTime. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do a FaceTime from Italy. I'm so excited. Uh, What's your celebrity crush, your first celebrity crush? First celebrity crush? It has to be Mel Brooks. (gasps) Oh, my God. You know, he, he was my idol growing up. And I know that you're many people's beauty icon, but who's your beauty icon? Gosh, I look at Cindy Crawford and I love the way she's looking. I look at Michelle Pfeiffer. It's like natural aging, but I mean, I'm sure she gets a little help here and there, but less is more as we go, you know, and I try to keep it as 
realistic as possible. So people would ask me like, how old are you? And say, how old do you think I look? Is the age that I am. (laughs) (laughs) I hate when people ask that question. I go, have you heard you never ask a lady her age? Don't ask me those questions. (laughs) (laughs) My last question to you is your worst beauty or fashion trend. What is the worst beauty or fashion trend that you could remember? Shoulder pads. (laughs) (laughs) So dynasty. (laughs) And that's fashion. Uh, Beauty, staying in the dynasty realm, it has to be the teased up hair. Joan Collins, could that be any higher? Joan Collins, I know. You know, when I started selling products... They say in Texas, the bigger the hair, the closer to God. So that's what they just, they want it big. <laughs> and I think bigger the hair, bigger the wealth. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that trend, the teasing of the hair was just, I loved doing it to people. But when I look back to yearbook pictures and I see everyone's bangs and hair, I'm like horrified. I was like, how could we live with a picture like this of ourselves? Like that lacquered up you know, halo of a hair. <laughs> oh my God, terrifying. But you know what? Those were the days. They were amazing. Those were the days. I'm going to have to reminisce and go back into those old pictures to see what everybody used to look like. I'm so happy we were able to do this. And thank you for being so such a pleasure to have on our first podcast episode. I feel so honored. And I'm so thankful for you to be one of my friends and colleagues and And I look forward to seeing you in person very soon. I can't wait. Thank you for asking me, David. And congratulations. I love that you're starting this. Oh, you're the best. I want all my followers and everyone listening, where can they find you and and learn more about you, Zunhi? Because you have so much knowledge and people need to know more about what you're doing out in the space. It's at Sunhi Beauty is my Instagram handle, as you know. And then my Twitter is Sunhi underscore beauty. And I have my blog, SunhiGrinnell.com. Amazing. And everyone should check it out because it's amazing when you go on there. It's so great. Everything you do is magic. And thank you again. And your son and your husband, your family is beautiful. I love following you on Instagram. You have the most beautiful family. And your mother is gorgeous, too. So, Oh, thank you. And speaking of mothers, my mother-in-law, she'll kill me for saying this, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> when it's time for us to go to our plastic surgeon, I have the best line. My mother-in-law, when she got her facelift, she said to the doctor, do me a favor. Do not make me look like it's my last facelift. <laughs> oh, I love I love your mother-in-law. <laughs> you would love my mother-in-law. You would love my mother-in-law. <laughs> Is that the best? It's the best quote. And I was going to ask you on the rubber and fire question, but that is the best quote. That is the best quote. (laughs) What a perfect way to end this episode. I love it. You're the best. Thank you for joining us on Living in a Materia World. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For incredible content, visit us at materia.com or follow us on social media at materia.com.